0: Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? So very glad to have you here today. Uh, would you pray with me as we get into the word this morning? Father God, we thank you so very much for who you are. You are a good God. There is none like you, none besides you, God. And we just pray, Lord, over this next few moments, God, as we just enter into your word. God, that we would uh, open our uh, our mind, open our eyes, open our ears, our hearts to hear, God, what you have to say. Lord, I know that you have a word this morning for those today that are in this place, that are listening to this message, God. And I know that, Lord, you love us so very much, and you are soon anticipating, God, you are eagerly expecting Uh, Lord, to be with your bride, God, that you want to be with your church, God, you long for your children, Uh, Lord, as a father longs for an absent child, God, we just thank you, God, that we have been called and according to your purposes, God, that we are your children adopted into your covenant, Lord, and I pray today, God, that people will make our hearts ready, God, that we will stir ourselves up, Lord, and we would be, Lord, not growing weary, uh, with all the burdens of this world, but God, that we would be lifted up and anticipating, God, what you are coming to do for us, that is to liberate us, to set us free once and for all. Somebody said, Amen. 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 Turn with me this morning in your Bibles, if you will, to Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Uh, we are continuing our series this morning of God's last day's Forecast, I'd encourage you, if you're listening to this message, make sure, uh, listen to the ones that are on our website, the previous ones. But we're going to talk about watching, working, and waiting. We're going talk about the doorman, watching, working, and waiting. And uh, this morning, I have felt very heavily all week long in preparing for this message. Uh, there are those uh, in our midst today, and, and there are those among us today that are very heavy-laden, heavy-burdened. And uh, I believe God just wants to tell you today, you're not meant to carry all that on your own and that he has a a plan to redeem you, to set you free. He has a plan to rescue you uh, and to not uh, give up or give in that God's coming and there will be a day it's all going to be over and uh, it'll be a day unlike any other day. And uh, we're not to give up hope until that day. Amen. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Let me set the pair the background for this story, this parable this morning. Mark chapter 13. Uh, Jesus is it's about it's the week before he's about to die on the cross. And anybody knows that right before you're about to die, you're setting everything in order. and You want to talk about what's coming ahead and you want to pass on the things to your children. Make sure you tell them all the things you want to tell them. And Jesus gives this report to his disciples on the Mount of Olives in the week, looking over into his death. He sees the crosses ahead and he sees what's going to lie ahead for his children, his his disciples, his followers. And he says, hey, the days of coming are not going to be some of the easiest days on the face of the world. In fact, it's going to be some of the worst days that humanity has ever seen, especially those of you who are my followers. He says you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars and famines and plagues and all kinds of violence. They're going to hate you. Uh, because of my namesake. There's going to be rebelliousness in your teenagers. There's going to be uh, earthquakes and, and all these different things, calamities, and, uh, and it's going to look really, really bad. And there's going to be false prophets, there's going to be this Antichrist, there's going to be a great tribulation of the Jewish people like the world has never seen until that day. And many believers, even so, uh, those that even thought they were saved will fall away because of the coldness and the callousness of the world at that time. It will be a, a very hard day to be a follower of me. Amen. And uh, someone's like, why am I doing this? Right. I mean, that's that's what you would be thinking. If you're the disciples. You're thinking, what in the world can't we just go with you right now? You know, uh, but God had a plan to save his people and God has a plan to come again. And he tells them at the very end, he says, but I'm going to come again in great power and great glory. You will see me. I'll call you home. And he says, meanwhile, peace I leave with you. Not peace as the world gives to you, but peace, the kind of peace that only the Holy Spirit can give. Do I leave with you? So in this world, you're going to have many troubles, he says, but you can have something to hold on to because there is a good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has died for you, he has set you free, he has sanctified you, he has called you by his name, and he is coming back to get you. He didn't leave you behind. He didn't forget about you. And I think today we see many signs of the times. I think we see, even in the news feed this week, we see multiple Middle East conflicts terrorism. We see political unrest. We see an uneasiness uh, in the future, not of just our country, but many countries. Uh, You see that, uh, I think if you were in the markets today, you would know that uh, many people are uh, speculating we're on the verge of a global economic collapse. There's uh, hatred of Christians, mass persecution, worst persecution in the history of the world happening in the last hundred years that many are unaware of. You know, all that stuff out there really seems... Uh, distant, and and we may not connect the dots, but we know that even it's affecting even the homes. Even here today, we see uh, marriages in turmoil. We see this uneasiness. Even the economy issues. We see many people today losing their jobs. Even in our own uh, neighborhood, many people losing their jobs. And what does that do? It it causes tension. You know, we get money problems. We get marital problems. We we see just this coldness and people no longer coming to the house of God like they used to, and a, a lack of fervor and just a heaviness on many many people, uh, perhaps like there's never been before. A heaviness, uh, worry, hopelessness, fear. Even the whole country today, uneasy. We, we know that, man, nobody, in the, everyone in this place can probably say, you know, people in their family that are affected by drugs or alcohol or, or uh, uh, bad relationships, people uh, getting into uh, premarital issues. And some of us, you know, and along the way, it's just like we're just closing our eyes, just pretending the world's a better place than it really is just to get by this week. And it's like that little fish on the uh, on the cartoon Nemo, that just, Dory, she's just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know, it seems like every week it's just, I just, all I can do this week is just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And I was thinking about this this morning. We're gonna talk about the rapture in Mark chapter 13. And I really feel like, as I was praying over this, I'm like, God, this is a very straightforward, simple message that you are coming. But you know, I felt like, It's hard to focus on that when this world is so bad. It seems like uh, even in our our daily life today, it's like, how can I uh, even think about this next world when this world has so many of its own problems and trials and tribulations? Uh, I can't, I'm doing all I can do, God, just to get through today. I can't really think about tomorrow and, God, what you're going to do for me. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today today. Watching, working, and waiting. Look with me, Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Somebody there, you say amen. Amen. I'm reading from the New American Standard today. It says, But of that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time or season will come. It's like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigned each one his task. Also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Everybody say, alert. 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 Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Three times, even four times, Jesus says to them, be on the alert. How many know if you had to tell your children something three or four times, you're really getting serious, right? And he's saying three times, be on the alert. He just told them all this bad news that's going to come. And, and the last thing he says in this passage in Mark chapter 13, he ends it uh, dramatically, emphatically. Be on the alert. Now, let's look at this this morning, because like I said, this, I really feel like we're, that we would, if we were honest today, we would say, I really cannot think about this next world Because this world is so overwhelming, and I want us to look at this passage with that context. You say, man, my life is crazy right now, either between my my job situation, my finance, my marital problems, my kids' issues, uh, all that mess, I'm just really overwhelmed. And so what in the world does this passage mean to me? Because I know God is coming soon, but what is that? I'm just trying to get through today. You know, Jesus is coming for people who are dressed ready and lamps lit, if you were here last week. It will be a people who are anticipating His return, who will be at the door when He knocks to open it. And they're going to be a people who are, even though they're going through all these problems, they're still going to be ready. Even though they're going through trials and tribulations, they're going to be ready. And what does that require for us? And watch means today that you think about watch, it means to stop sinning, it means to guard our hearts, it means to stop being earthly and start being heavenly and uh, to work, work to be sober-minded that, you know, it's a great privilege to be called by the mighty God. It's a great privilege to be His servants and to get given charge of His home, His, His household, His, His mission, and to wait to stand firm in the faith of the calling that he 's given us to have courage to be strong in the power of the Lord because he is coming let 's talk about this this morning. number one, watch, watch, be on the alert. anybody scared of the dark? you don't have to raise your hands 'm just be on the alert. you know these are some scary dark times they are they really are some scary dark times I, I, I pray over our, our children we, we met last year and talked about the direction of our kids ministry and to build a kids ministry here at sanctuary to, with the idea that we know that our children are promised a worse day than our day that's the that's that's what the bible tells us so we are to raise up great mighty men and women of god even from from that little age group from three three and up that that would be what we do And to see them in the master's away Back in the ancient days, the master goes on a trip where he goes away to a party. The home's at risk for a break-in. He's got his servants there. And Jesus is saying, you know, hey, these last days, it's going to be dark. It's going to be scary. I don't have ADT in my house. You've got to stay here. You know, uh, it's going to culminate in a time of trouble like the world has never seen. I'm leaving you in charge, by the way. You're like, what in the world? How about you stay here? We'll go away. Right? Come on. Somebody be honest with me. You know, like... You're leaving me in charge of your home, and you're expecting a break-in. You know, like, that doesn't sound right. Uh, thank goodness we got some conceal and carry, right? Uh, you know, I don't like to watch scary movies uh, anymore. I've grown in the Lord. But, you know, sometimes as a parent, some of the scariest words I think we can hear are probably, Hey, Mom, Dad, watch this. You know, and you look up to find your child about to jump off of something that they shouldn't be on to the begin with. Uh, and, and in that moment, it's like you're running to catch them. You know, you have three seconds to get across the room uh, before they <laughs> leap to their doom, uh, and they have no clue what they're doing, right? Uh, you know, I think in, in the days that we live, we're living in some of the scariest days, and I think some of our lives uh, right now, we wouldn't even want to watch them on Lifetime because we're just like, I don't even want to know the ending of this movie. It doesn't, it's not a really, there's nothing happy about this at all, and we feel like we're these people who are just, You know, scared to look up because we're just running to catch all the pieces in our life that seem to be falling and they shouldn't have been up there to begin with. And Jesus, knowing this and telling us this, uh, I find it odd that he tells us, he says, hey, I know this is going to happen. I'm telling you it's going to happen. It's not going to be good, but be alert. Be alert, be awake, be aware. And what does this mean? It means the, the word alert here in the Greek means to keep awake or to stay awake. It means to be alert, to keep watch. It actually means not to fall asleep, to be sleepless. Uh, many of you know all about that if your are parents. Uh, how many people are sleepy right now? If we are all honest. Many of us, the hands right right there. Uh, you know, we could use a nap, but he's saying, hey, church, there's coming kind of day uh, where there's no spiritual napping. There's the days that you live in now. It's, it's saying, hey, the night is getting darker and it's getting longer and you may have to stay up. You know, some of us uh, uh, we may want to go to bed at 8 o'clock. We've had a long day, and we're just wiped out. But he's saying, look at this. He, says ro- he gives these Roman night watches. Look in uh, the, uh, sorry, verse uh, 35 there. He says, uh, there, uh, Rome divided the night into four sections, the night watches. And they said there is the 6 to 9 p.m., the first watch, the 9 to 12 p.m., the second watch, the third watch, which is 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., which is the watch they called the third watch or the rooster crow Then there is the fourth watch, the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. watch. He's saying, you may be tired in the day and hour you live. Your life may be, you just want to take a nap from it. But he's saying, hey, you may have to stay up all night long. I don't know about you. I'm not very good any longer at staying up all night. But he's saying, spiritually speaking, church... There's coming a day, it's getting dark, your lives are going to be crazy, the world's going to be crazy, but you have to be so spiritually alert, so spiritually energized and the power of the Holy Spirit within you, that you have got to keep on keeping on and be alert, don't matter how late it gets into his second coming, or it doesn't matter how dark it's getting out there, we may be tired, we want to take a break, we may want to give up, we may want to check out, but he's saying, stay alert, keep awake, be prepared. To the very end, Revelation chapter three, you can turn there with me, verse one Revelation chapter three Cana gives this example of this last day 's church and Sardis uh, Sardis is this uh, metropolis place, great military, great travel uh, uh, in the ancient in the ancient world but But Jesus prophetically writes to this church symbolically to the end. Uh, We we can apply it to ourselves today. And in the New Living, it says this. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the messenger from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God. So Jesus is writing a letter. He's through John writing a letter to even the last day's church, one of the seven churches, just symbolically speaks to all, I believe, the entire world today. And he says this. He says, I know all the things you do. How many you know God knows our good works and our bad works, all right? He says, I know the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. He says, man, you look like a fired-up church. But he says, but you are dead. He says, wake up. Be alert. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard, believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent. Turn to me again, because if you do not wake up, I will come to you suddenly, unexpectedly as a thief. He's quoting the passage we just read from Mark. He's saying there's a church, there's this last day's church, and and we're known for being alive, and we think we're alive, we would call ourselves fired up, we call ourselves charismatic, we call ourselves Pentecostal, we call ourselves spirit-filled. But he's saying, hey, there's a people, I need you to get back on your knees, Because you're really falling asleep. I need you to stir up within you some revival fire, some spirit within you to be on the alert because God is still not done doing what He's called you to do. God put something in this church for us to do, every single one of us in this place. God has equipped you, called you to do something. And God would speak to us again today and say, Hey, it's tough. I know. Don't give up. Rekindle that flame in you and keep on keeping on because I've got still more to do before I come back. But if you fall asleep, be aware. I may come unexpectedly but, but to you. You may not be knowing the hour that I'm coming. And I think God would speak that to us today, that there is this revival in our hearts of so the walking with his spirit, because God's great commission has got to be complete it. Man, that's his most, that's his, that's his goal. That's his most valuable thing in this world is to complete that great commission. You know, and, and these days may be dark, you know, life may be wearing us down, but we've got to be spiritually alert and awake until it comes. You know, I think for me, when I think about alert or watch, I think it's for us to realize, you know what? I've got to remember where my help really comes from when I'm going through all this stuff. I've got to really remember that I know uh, I have a discerning spirit of what is of God in these last days and what is not of God. A wisdom to be alert and to watch and to know what God's will is for my life. Because there's going to be coming a time where it seems chaotic in your life. It seems like you don't know which way to go. And you have to have this watching kind of spirit, this alertness about you to say, God, I've got to have discernment. Am I going this way, God, or I'm going this way? God, what do you want me to do here or what do you want me to do there? God, I know that you are my help. You are my need. You are my supply. And my eyes, even though this world is chaotic and my life seems to be falling apart and all the pieces are lying around, God, I'm looking up because I know where my help comes from. That's the idea. That's the, the context of watch, to know his will. And for me, I think, church, it means for us we've got to be now more than ever to put away sin from our lives. Now more than ever is it is it necessary for the church to get away from sin to be eager to pray to study God's word to fellowship with other believers and to make God's call on your life your highest priority. It means to be sharp. It means to be you know the iron sharpening iron. It means to be stirred up, put everything away and say God, you are my highest priority. God, my entire focus is on you right now even though this is all going on. God, I'm, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm doing my job, but God, I'm looking out the window knowing that's really what's going to, that's the future. You know that? You can you can look at this world today and you can get so easily overwhelmed. Let me just be tell, tell you, you can get so easily overwhelmed thinking this is what life is all about. You can get so caught up in your drama, in our problems, and our projects, and all the things going on, and forget this is just a passing through. This isn't all that there is to this world, to this life, to eternity. We have to be a watching church. Number two is work. Number two is work. Like, Lord of mercy, I don't know how much more work I can do, right? It says he put his slaves in charge, assigning each one to his task. Each one of you and I have an assigned task. God put his slaves, his servants, in charge of his home. And And we're all in the home, we're all part of that. And that literal translation here is, He gave us the authority of work. Not just work, He gave us the authority of work. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 28 that Jesus comes to His disciples right before leaving, after the resurrection. He says, hey, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching all things uh, uh, that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I am giving you the authority to continue to build up my church, to make disciples, to continue this mission. I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and then one day I'm going to come. But meanwhile, go, make this church, build it up. And then in Acts 1, eight he tells us, hey, this power, this ability is going to come over you to do all the things that I'm calling you to do, to be a witness, all right? And so the same thing in this, this, uh, this passage, he says, hey, I'm giving my slaves, the servants, the authority of the work. And I I look at the church today, and if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, you know, there are diverse gifts. There is diverse responsibility. There are a lot of tasks that God gives men. There is encouragement. There is mercy. There is helps. There is leadership. There is administration. There is faith. Not to mention the tongues and the prophecies and those that are called to be pastors and teachers. But every single one of you has an assigned task. And they're going to be a calling to account next week. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But this morning, I want want you to understand what is your task? What is your purpose in God's kingdom? And some of you are thinking right now, you know, I'm I'm just kind of toning this out. I'm I'm kind of all right. Yes, I know that I, I have a task. I think it's very, very important for you to know God has called you. God has equipped you God has purposed you to do something for his kingdom. And I'm not going to answer for what you do. You will answer for what God has called you to do. And it may be something as easy as, as, as helping out behind the scenes. It may be something as small as, as uh, helping someone on the side of the road. There's something that God has gifted you with. The gift of helps, the gift of love or encouragement or a good word. Or You could be that person that just has that, that smile and that, that charisma that just draws people to Christ. Whatever it is, not just in this uh, professionalism of church, but in the kingdom of God, you have a unique calling that nobody else can fulfill. It's his design task. And I find one of the things we have the hardest problem with, and you say, okay, okay, I got that part. Now, okay, my life still is crazy, right? That doesn't go away when you become a Christian. Our lives still continue to be crazy. And I find even in America today, if how many people you have a job in the secular workforce, right? Those of you who are not stay-at-home moms or, or you know in school, we there's this problem any of your employees or people around you have a problem with balancing work time and home time anybody bring the home into the work a little bit too much some uh i looked at this article in, in forbes uh the other day and it said this it said 31 percent of employees see if this sounds like hopefully not you because you represent our church by the way no wearing your church t-shirts while you're wasting time at work but it says 31 percent of employees waste 30 minutes a day if that wasn't bad enough it keeps going 57% yet waste more than an hour a day. Those of you who have employees, 57% of your employees may waste more than an hour a day. That means texting, personal phone calls, gossiping with coworkers around the water cooler, or being on social media. An hour of your day, that's what they're doing, all right? <laughs> okay, yeah, in this article, I had some uh, examples, for instance. One boss found an employee was caring for her pet bird that she smuggled to work. Hopefully that's not happened to you. Uh, one boss, looking for his employee, found that she was warming her bare feet under the bathroom hand dryer. That's why we don't have one at church. That's right there. <laughs> and one boss, this only works at church, found an employee sleeping who claimed he was praying. And if that ever happens to you, don't tell him it was our sanctuary again. All right. <clears throat> Personal and professional time. How do you balance how do you balance God's call on your life with your own, call, with your own purpose? God's purpose with what your, your plans versus God's plans, your priorities versus God's priorities. I think that's one of the problems. I think we find that when my life gets crazy, it's, it's very, very, very easy to put God's stuff second because right now I just got to fix this, right? I mean, anybody here with me this morning? Am I the only person, right? Uh, you just got to fix this. And look, look at me in Luke 17, verse 34. Luke 17, verse 34, I want to pull something out here this morning. God's priorities and plans. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And and we have often a purpose and a plan for our life. But our goal is to live it out, Uh, his plan, his purpose. But look with me. We're talking about the rapture. God, how am I going to get through this? What's going on? Luke 17, verse 34, something sticks out at me. He says, I tell you, on that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. What I get out of this passage in the context of what we're talking about, God, how do I focus on the next world when this world's got so many of its own problems? I see that in this passage, there are two people who are focused on this worldly things, but at the same time, one of them was focused on this next place, this next world. You see, from from the appearance, both of them were working. From the appearance, both of them were were grinding. Both of them were in the field. And two people were working in this world, but only one of them was really working for the next. It's so very easy. God, how do I balance my earthly work, God, with your kingdom work? God, how do I, I balance these kingdom opportunities? And I wonder how many kingdom opportunities do we miss Because we've put God's priorities second because our lives are crazy. He did not say your lives would get less crazy so that you could focus on his work. Let me be clear. That's not how it works. He says, but I'm going to bless the people who put my plans, my purposes, my priorities first. I think some people in this passage is proof. I think some people are going to miss heaven because their personal problems and projects took the priority of their heart. Come on. Their personal problems and projects took the priority of their heart. Lord, help us that knowing this life is going to be bad. It's going to be rough. And this may not sound like good news. The good news is that Jesus is going to give you all you need to be faithful to him. He's going to give you all you need. You say, yeah, but pastor, I've got a lot going on, man. These are these are real problems affecting me. No doubt. No doubt God knows we've got marital problems, God knows we've got financial issues, God knows we have careers, we've got kids, we've got projects, and somebody just wants to breathe right now, right? We've got all these things, but what are we a slave to? He says, I put my slaves, my servants, in charge of my home. I gave them a task. And no doubt, that slave, that servant, I can just imagine, go back in the first century and... You know, the master's gone. Well, when the master's gone, that means I can take... These guys lived in a compound, right? Well, they got their own laundry. They got their own kids to feed. They got their own schoolwork, you know, to do. They've got their own things they've got to do in their own house. But you know what takes priority for the servant in the master's home? The master's, right? We feed the master before we feed ourselves. We do the master's laundry before we do our own laundry. We do all of these things. And when he comes and he's ready to eat... We're ready to feed him, right? And the master shows up and he knocks. He's saying, you better be ready to open the door for me because I don't keep a house key, right? He's, that's this context that we see here today. and Maybe that's foreign to us. But they had their own things to do, but they still waited upon the master first. And what is going to get us to that place? Don't, how do I get through that? And I look at Hebrews 12.1 as this great encouragement. say, man, my life's crazy. But uh, the author of Hebrews says, you know, you've got a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you. And he says, so let us lay aside every encumbrance, the, things, the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's that watching part. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And now consider him... For who, for he has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. And when you consider him, you can run and not grow weary and lose heart. Think on Jesus. Man, I'm thinking about the master. I'm thinking about he's coming to get me. I'm thinking that he's got a great plan for me. I'm thinking that he's called me. He's equipped me. He's, he's commissioned me. I'm thinking that Jesus died for me. He rose from the grave for me. That he's coming back for me. That this is good news. And even though that life's crazy and life's uh, full of trouble, I can... Get motivation from Him. I can fix my eyes on Him and run with endurance when I push everything else aside and say, God, man, I know this is a real problem. Man, this is a legitimate situation. But you're not going to make it, church, unless we begin to be alert, watch, and work for Jesus. And it seems foreign. It might seem like, well, I need to take a break right now. I might not need to do this. But I believe the appointed time is coming. Now is the most time that when we feel like we're going to give up, maybe you feel like this morning you you're, you're not running. Maybe this morning you feel like I, I'm, I'm flat on my face. I don't know how I'm, I can't even get up. I don't have the strength to do it anymore, God. I don't have anything What it, I don't have anything that it takes, God, to do what you've called me to do. And I feel just like there's nothing left. And all these burdens are just crashing on my mind. Let's look at this next one is wait, wait, the appointed time. It says, the appointed time, the master's coming, or you do not know when the time is or the appointed time that the master is coming. I think one of the hardest things to do sometimes is wait, especially when you're in a need. Really, when you need something. I think uh, teaching our children patience sometimes I'm learning it requires a lot of patience ourselves. Amen. You got to say to your kid, you know, hold on. Just a minute. I'll get it. Just wait a minute. I'm gonna get it and they're crying out you know especially a little two-year-old when she wants her juice or whatever it is she wants it and I think you think about that give it enough time the true nature of people just like us we're no different it comes out God but you said God I need this God I want this God I'm I, I don't I'm not gonna make God you got to do this right now God I think, and I like what one author says, he says that God doesn't answer our requests, often our true loyalties and our true priorities manifest. God says, hold on for a minute. We don't like that. Nobody would have liked, if you are the disciples, you would not have liked where he said, I'm going away, you're going to have to endure some awful things. Nobody wants to have to endure those things. And no one should think, you know, my life should be, my life should be better than this. I mean, don't we think that sometimes? I, I think it should be better than this. and I wish it was better than this. But sometimes when those seasons come, those are the times where God is beginning to perfect us, to test us, to produce something in us that maybe we couldn't have done on our own. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it says, is patience. It's self-control. And in those trying times and those situations, it's our love for God that should help us. And th- think about it this way. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient, kind. It never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And how not? How should that also be my love for God? God, I know I'm going through rough times right now. I'm going to keep getting on my knees. God, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep putting your priorities first. And no matter what happens, God, I love you. I love you. And see what God can do through a situation like that. And last verse, look at Luke 12, 37. Luke 12, 37. For those of you who feel like... Pastor Heath, man, this world is so bad right now in my life. My life is so overwhelming. I can't even think about the rapture. I can't even think about what God's got coming and, and getting all of these things in line. I don't even have the strength to do it. There's, there's some good news here. Luke twelve thirty seven is a parallel passage of this Mark 13. And he says it this way. He, this is how he ends the parable in Luke twelve thirty seven. He ends it this way. He says, blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert... When he comes, truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them reclining at the table and will come up and wait on them. Jesus never asks you to do anything that he's not already done or willing to do himself. And what that means basically is that when you serve Jesus, Jesus will serve you. When you wait on Jesus, Jesus is going to wait on you. And it finds this master that when Jesus comes at his second coming, it's going to be the most blessed day in the history of the universe, that Jesus is going to lavish his love on you. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done. Everything I've asked you to do, you've been faithful with what I've been calling you to be faithful with. And you've been waiting on me. You've been persevering because of your love for me. And you've been alert. You've been anticipating my soon coming. And even though you've gone through horrible times, I will wipe every tear from your eye. I'll put every pain away. You'll no longer know any mourning, no any more death. And it's going to be worth it, church. It's going to be worth it. You can make it. You can make it. You're not done yet. You just keep on keeping on. You keep watching for him. You keep working for him. And you keep waiting on him because Jesus himself, the master, like any, no other master, no other king, he died for you. He's going to serve you Amen. because you've served him. And when you do that, there's some blessed promises in here, church. And, and it may feel like you're this child and you're saying, I want it now. God, I need my deliverance now. I need my peace now. I need my victory now. And he's just saying, hold on. I'm coming, okay? Just hold on just a little bit longer. Can you just hold on just a little bit? He doesn't always promise you're going to get victory in this world. Can I be very honest? There is blessed promises in the, in the new covenant. Man, yes, sometimes He does. Sometimes He does heal us. Sometimes He does deliver us out of tribulation. But sometimes He leads us to the chopping block. Sometimes He leads us through the valleys of the shadow of death. And it doesn't mean you get to skip out on some of those worst seasons of your life, but it's going to be worth it when you keep on waiting, when you keep on watching, when you keep on working, because this life is tough. And you may agree with Psalms 18, which we opened the church with this morning, that says like, that death is pulling you down, that destruction is sweeping over you, and you feel like, God, I'm just crying out to you in distress. You're asking, God, man, where's my blessing? Where's my breakthrough? I'm going to tell you, God is faithful to those who are faithful. God is faithful to those who are faithful, and you and I have an appointed time. It may be 6 p.m., it may be 3 a.m. I don't know when our appointed time. God may call us home tomorrow. He may call one or individually us home at a different time this week, but God has an appointed time. You may get the victory now in this life, or it may not be to the next, but God has an appointed time for your victory. That's the hope. That's the good news. I'm going to close with this. Psalms 18:16 says this. He says, He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety, and He rescued me because He delights in me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? God's appointed time for you will come. Your pain, your suffering, it is going to end. Your victory is already won. It's already paid for in the cross on Calvary. And the word is clear. If you put God's priorities first, we can hope and we can wait with perseverance. Because if we love Him, if our purpose is in Him, Romans 8.28 says that He will cause all things to work together for your good. And one day you and I will be able to say together, this mortal has put on immortality and death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Maybe the word you need to hear today from Jesus is peace I leave with you. Peace not like this world gives, but his heavenly peace.